0: well we've at least reached an agreement to come back and do a podcast this week i can't say the same about anybody else uh it's a podcast about baseball i can't say anybody else about reading reaching a deal in the baseball world uh this is guardians of the future i'm justin led and Willie Hood also agreed to a deal to come back and and record a podcast this week after a week off. So some people can agree to things. Actually, I never agreed to
1: be here, Justin. Uh, I'm here against my will right now. You're sandbagging. Are you going to file a lawsuit? Jeez. I, I think we need a mediator.
0: Need a mediator. You can take this all the way to the national labor relations board and I'm just not going to hear it because uh, Guardians Baseball Insider is not unionized. I'm sorry. So you don't have any rights. You have to talk baseball with me. And those of you listening have to have to listen to because uh, so this we're here sounds talking like about The it.
1: player's relationship That's just how it goes. and the owner's relationship where one seems to have <laughs> all of the power. Actually, you know what it really reminds me of is an abusive relationship where you have one wielding all of the power and the other one on the receiving end trying to trying to work things out but the other person just wielding the power and holding it over them and continually beating them with it so to speak um through any means necessary cohesion and using allegiances or alliances with um outsiders even um to appear to be good i think it's interesting if you follow the trail, so to speak on the media, it seems as if some people with an MLB.com email, um, are saying that there's progress and anyone outside of that spectrum in the media seems to think we've gone nowhere. So I'm willing to say the owners have sandbagged this pretty successfully.
0: Yeah, it, it, uh, it sure seems that way. It's unfortunate because I think, uh, if you don't follow him on Twitter, his name is Eugene Friedman. Um, he's a, a labor lawyer, and among other things, he's been on a lot of baseball podcasts. And we're not going to bring him on because, um, you know, we already covered kind of the legality and and what the what teams are or what the league is negotiating with the players. But um, he sent out a tweet in response to something I said to him a few weeks ago. Actually, it might have been around Christmas at this point. But just saying that it takes a lot to prove. Bad faith negotiating the the national labor relations board um, has a pretty high standard to prove what bad faith negotiating is but I think it's it's hard it's hard not to see here because I think the oh I think the owners in the league want to hang the threat of missing games over the head of players and it's easier to do that if you keep kicking the can down the road and like you said sandbagging because. Each day that passes without a deal, you know, there's less time for players to sign and get and, and get um, temporary housing or know what city their families are, are going to live in this year. And, you know, the, the money issue of missing games and, and players don't get paid in the spring training. So the issue isn't spring training. The issue is the regular season. So they want to see how much they can make the players sweat. And if you read any anyway, not, not that the people from MLB.com don't do good work. But like you said, that it's an MLB.com email, they get paid by them. So unfortunately, I think you can only take what they write at it with a grain of salt, you can just you have to read, you know, the Athletic or um Yahoo and I don't even know ESPN at this point, but just read those outlets to see the the real the direction things are going in. And I think it clearly says they're trying to push this back as far as they can. To see how much the players are willing to give up, and if you read those outlets, it sounds like the players have, you know, come forward the most. Have they've dropped the most? And I don't think the owners have really conceded anything. You know, at I all. always thought
1: negotiations were an open conversation. Um, maybe it's my naivety about it, you know, but um, it doesn't really seem like there's a conversation. It's we'll give you this and you'll like it or so it seems to me that's been the approach of owners. Um, you know, there's also things out there like supposedly I'll say, um, Scott Boris has said players should be paid on the value of franchises according to the value of the franchises. Um, and that's not a correct evaluation. Um, of what a franchise is worth. A a franchise is worth has nothing to do with their ability or capacity to play, to pay players. Um, And they only have that value if they were to sell, if they are to receive that value in return for selling. So, I mean, that makes zero sense to me to think that the players should be paid based on the value of MLB franchises. Cause if that was the case, the teams would have to sell every single year, to get in enough money to pay the players in theory. Um, It's a frustrating mess to us fans, but I think a lot of this is, and and I will remind everyone there's 300 plus major league free agents still who don't have a team. And this puts a lot of pressure on those players and, and to be devil's advocate, what it does is it kind of puts them, All into a jam where they are going to be searching for contracts as soon as this stare down is over with. And, um, these players all need to find homes. There's a lot of quality talent out there still. Michael Conforto, Kyle Schwarber, Chris Bryant, just to name a few guys that are still available. Um, but that puts a lot of pressure mm-hmm. on them to put pressure on the union to say, Hey, we need to come back to the table. We need to get something done. And I think you're right in that the players have given up more than the owners. Uh, there's more at stake for the owners. Clearly. I mean, something that we've all seen and it kind of bears out is the players are getting a smaller piece of the pie. Uh, I, I, Don't want to get into the millionaires and billionaires argument. But where this really bothers me is with the minor leaguers. And and frankly, as somebody who loves baseball, I'm extremely frustrated with the process because it's taken away a lot from the game, Um, a lot of conversations that could be had. And I mean, frankly, I turned on a, a football game and I don't watch a lot of football, but I watched a little bit of the NFL over the weekend out of sheer boredom. Um, when I would be searching and reading about baseball (laughs) players and free agent signings or possible trades or waiver claims and things like that, um, they are, they are damaging themselves. They're cutting off their nose to spite their face. Um, I've learned through the process of life that sometimes you try to save a penny and you end up costing yourself a dollar. Uh, I don't know that this is going to affect the player or the owners that way, but it's not good news to drag this on and on and on. It's not good news to lose games. Um, And it's not good for Cleveland, especially with the rebrand. I I will flip the conversation for a second and say, when this does come into an end, it's going to give teams and owners some leverage to potentially sign some free agents on pillow deals. And maybe that's part of this too is, Hey, we can, we can, force these players into signing somewhere cheaper on a shorter term contract and take less risk on ourselves. It's all beneficial for the owners is what I'm really coming back to.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I, I think everything to this point has been beneficial to the league and the owners. I mean, that's, that's unfortunately Rob Manfred's job is to, it's not, his job is really not so much to grow the game and make the game better. His gate, his, his job is really to, Help the owners keep more of their money. I mean, the players have no say, and this is this is true of any league. This is not just baseball, but or MLB. But the the commissioner's job is not to, I don't know. I'm not sure what the definition of commission is, but his job sure isn't to steward. You know, be a steward of the sport and grow it. His job is he's hired by the owners. All these commissioners of every ba- of every major sports league, the owners are the ones who ratify their hiring the players have zero say in who runs the sport, which don't you think that's kind of, I mean, I guess if, if you're talking about normal jobs, um, even, even unionized companies don't have a say in who the company president is, but you know, this is not a normal job. This is uh this is a company. This is a, a, a league that generates billions of dollars a year. Lots of money is changing hands and um, is being paid to the league. I don't know. It just seems weird that, you've got billionaires who are in charge are are in charge of these teams and they're the ones who get to say who runs the sport and has nothing to do with the players. I, I mean, I, like I said, I know it's not true of any other, any other business, but I don't know. don't you think it's a little weird. It's a little, I don't know. it, it just doesn't, doesn't seem to make sense. It seems like, all the, all that they want is is to hire somebody that's going to protect their money and not really do much for the game. And and the problem with all this is it's very short sighted. I think the the owners don't care about the game either. They just care about money. I I mean, most most sports owner owners are buying teams because of their ego. Some of them love the sport, I suppose, but it's it's just more of a an ego boost now than anything and winning well, is maybe I mean, secondary. It, it I don't goes,
1: know. Kind of you could say the just because somebody is a good athlete doesn't necessarily mean that they even like the sport that they play. I've, I've heard that before. Some people choosing a sport they don't like because they're very good at this Mm -hmm. sport. They don't like over a sport that they like, but they're not very good at, um, you know, I mean, baseball is a difficult sport to play. It's hard to hit that little ball and it's hard to throw that little ball hard too. um, it, in some sense there as commissioner, I, I think that the job entails, some sort of stewardship over the game. It does when you're laying down rules and decisions, when people are, I don't know, look at the Dodgers pitcher that was suspended last year um, because of that situation, you know, I mean, that's coming down from Rob, Rob Manfred and, and, you know, that stewardship of the game. They're, they're, should be some sort of stewardship of the game as far as growing the game and increasing fan bases or trying to increase interest, I would think, in some sort of aspect. But I think at the end of the day, these negotiations are right back down to the dollar figures and decimal points.
0: And that's, that's fine. I understand it. it's it's an argument over money because... I, and I know people are like, well, it's millionaires versus billionaires. It's not millionaires versus billionaires because the majority of the league are not millionaires. The majority of the league, and this is why the fight is happening, is because they're talking about getting younger players paid better because instead of, I mean, yes, it's 500000 more than a lot of us are ever going to make. Absolutely it is um, in a season or in, in, a, in a calendar year. But um, if you look at it on a percentage scale, you know, no nobody in, in life wants to go to a job. And this is how many times have we said this offseason, Willie, that, you know, sports are a microcosm of society. And I don't want to get, you know, too far down that road, obviously. But, you know, with, with the great resignation, all the other stuff going on today in, in the workplace. If you're if you know how much if you have an idea of how much your employee is bringing in or your employer is bringing in revenue wise. um and they're making it off the backs of you. And let's face it, there's no there's no billions of dollars to be made unless the players go out there and play, correct? So if, if you know that your boss or your company is making billions of dollars, you know, based on your performance, yeah, you're going to want a bigger cut. I mean, nobody wants to go and, and work for, you know, 10 cents or a dollar on the hundreds of dollars, you know, uh, their owner or their boss is going to make, I, the I company can actually going to that off point, of them. Justin.
1: Um, so I had a commission job yeah. several years ago for a, a large soft drink company and I did really well there. Um, but I remember them coming in and they told us the exact amount of revenue that they brought in and the amount of profit that they made for the prior year. And then they, thanked us for doing such a good job for for making it the most profitable year that they had had and then proceeded to give me a half of cent raise per case for every case that I sold and (laughs) it equated to about 25 cents an hour if it was an hourly wage, which is a nice little bump. It's a bump, but it's a slap in the face when you hear a huge multi-million, you know, six-figure multi-million dollar Um, profit and you're like, that's all I'm worth to you. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's seriously
0: problem. if you know how much that your, your company is making off your performance and you're performing, of course you're going to want more money. It doesn't matter if you're making, you know, $500 a week or $500,000 a year, it doesn't matter. You're going to fight for more. Why, why would you let, your your company make billions of dollars and let yourself only make you know five hundred thousand. If you can make more, you're not going to. And, and you're doing all the work. Yes, they're paying you, but the sport doesn't exist on its players. So I understand people don't like this. It's a lot of money, more money than you know a lot of us will ever see. But it's it's just a different scale that you know what's happening in a lot of workplaces. Nobody wants to go to work. And obviously players make a major league players, not minor leaguers. Obviously that's a whole different issue here, which is a bigger problem that we're not even going to get into um, because we've already done it. But yes, major league baseball players make a livable wage. $500,000 is definitely a livable wage, but that doesn't mean that it's fair for an owner to make, to rake in a hundred, you know, 200, $500 million a year in profits. And the best player in baseball, like Juan, like let's say Juan Soto, Juan Soto is, I think just now getting to arbitration, but in his early years, he was a great player and he was making, you know, 500 K. Is it, is it fair that the best player on that team is producing at an MVP level while his, and he's making 500 K while his, um, his company is making 500 million because he's selling tons of jerseys and people are coming to see him play and, all this other stuff, you know, I, I, it's, and it's the same thing about college. How about the, all the college players that never got paid and the, the schools are making money off of football games and, and merchandise all these years. That and, finally changed. You know, so.
1: mentioning that soft drink company, I was the I second highest rated salesperson with the entire company, meaning, you know, a, a huge number of those sales came through me, you know, so it, it was personal and I can see the player's argument in that regard uh, because you have a lot of young players n- new to their role. And, you know, I was new to that role and producing at a, a high number, you know, like the players, Juan Soto, perfect example, Ronald, Ronald Acuna Jr., another player that all-star caliber producer, one of the best players in the game and one of the youngest players in the game, not getting paid uh, right away. And, and that's where the players do have something. And that's where I think, if I were the owners I'd be like, hey, let's let's give them something. Let's give them this and then sandbag everywhere else. That's the easiest way to do it, I think, you know. Mm-hmm. My personal opinion is pay the young guys and make that the the one thing that you give, but give generously there and then make them fight for other stuff, you know. Make them really fight in fight for anything else that you give them. You say it's about these younger players. Kind, what you're kind of doing is splitting yeah. the union in half because you have the haves and the have nots because what is it? 98% of the players are, are not going to receive these huge multimillion dollar deals. A lot of the guys that come through major league baseball will only play a year or two or just three or four years even. I will say, uh,
0: they're still not letting minor league players to the table and, and that's still an issue. But it does feel like, I think a lot of people early on when, when the lockout first happened is they felt like the 99% of players were fighting for the big money. And it really was it what, and that made it seem like millionaires versus billionaires because you have the Max Scherzers and the Francisco Lindor's fighting for the money. But the longer this drags on and the proposals Um, I get the sense that they are trying to get those players that are, you know, rookies to two years, you know, non-arbitration eligible players. I do get the sense that they are standing firm, that they want those players to get a bump in pay and one they think is reasonable. So if anything, I think that that's the best outcome of this all so far is that you have the the Max Scherzers, the Francisco Lindors, the Marcus Simeons, these guys that have made a hundred million dollars in their career. They are they are coming to the table every week when these two te- two sides meet, and they are holding firm that these players that are with zero to two years of service time either need to stop having their service time manipulated. Which, yes, that's an issue itself, but I think it's an issue to a very small group of players because you only really do that with you know the Chris Bryants. You don't really do that with uh, marginal prospects, so it, it affects a very few amount of players. But I think they're holding firm on, on trying to get those players you know, a, a significant raise. I would say that's probably the best thing that's happened in all this. Uh, I, I think at this point though, I don't want to, I don't, we're already 20 minutes deep in this conversation, but I would say ESPN kind of put out a timeline here and they said, uh, worrying about pitchers and catchers starting on time. That's 44 days away. Um, or that was 44 days away. It's closer now. It's supposed to be February 15th. They said when to start worrying February 8th. Well, that's a week from today. Um, so if a deal's not reached a week from today, probably no chance that, the, that that's going to happen. And there's that, that means that no spring training starts on time. And then they said, um, worry about spring training games starting on time by February 19th. The first spring training game is February 26th. I would say, I think there's a chance that we could see a deal by February 19th, but um, I still think the first spring training game gets pushed back because I think teams are going to want more time for the offseason to happen. I think the players will too, so they can get, housing in order and and get their money and have time to go through fiscals and COVID protocol and move their families across wherever they end up but I'm not giving up hope yet but I definitely don't think spring training is starting you know, I, I saw a, a
1: tweet from Jeff Hassan and he kind of alluded to the season may not start on time you know that's kind of where we're at right now um we're down to a few days the window is small and it either happens essentially in the next week or it doesn't. Um, but this, this whole subject and the whole thought of the lockout is tiring, to be honest with you, Justin.
0: <laughs> it is. We can, and we can move on with that being said. So uh, we'll come back at some point when there's news on that. Um, hmm. On the more positive side of things, um tomorrow, if you're listening to this on February 2nd, um, the top prospect rankings for Guardians Baseball Insider will be out. We have, if you haven't read the piece right now, there's a primer up at the website just the kind of about um, this year's list and how we're evaluating it and just some things to look at. We're still using the 2080 scouting scale. Um, I went back and did some research lot on 2019 numbers and last year's numbers Kind of on, on looking at who produced what so people have a good idea of like what these tool these grades mean so um, I tried to go through some data and and put some some names and some figures to the to those grades just to give people an understanding of what we're doing um, and what to expect in these reports. We kind of refined what the writing looked like because some feedback was that uh maybe we overloaded some readers with information last year in our scouting reports and uh, probably overloaded all of us as writers, if I'm being honest, it was be last year. <laughs> I'm sure Willie would say the same. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a lot of work last year. Not, not that we didn't didn't enjoy the work. It's just I, I for one, could say that um, I was – as much as I want to see more minor league baseball, I was really glad last year that minor league baseball didn't start until May instead of April. Um, because after our top prospect series finished last year, I was burnt out. I didn't write anything for like almost two weeks to a month that if I didn't have to, I was burnt out. I needed a break. Um, This year, I think the writing is a little less involved, but it's still giving you a good idea of what to expect from these players. And this year's list is a top 61. I noted last year that, you know, we stopped doing the arbitrary top fifties because, Yes, those those nice round numbers are good to know who who to cut off and who to say who is a, a prospect worth thinking about and who's really not. But I think if if you have a, it's worth writing a scouting report on any player in the system if they're you know if you think they're worth fans knowing about. And that's why we stopped going with the arbitrary cutoff at top fifty and just decided you know if if the player deserves a scouting report rank them or put them on the list and then we'll rank them once we do that. And that got us to sixty one. Mm-hmm.
1: As even of this with year. That, so that comes out tomorrow. Even with that, there Starts. will be the Diamonds and Rough series too, because there is plenty of players that um, we haven't seen or we haven't seen enough of yet. Uh, once you have more information and you have more video and you have more live looks at some guys, there'll be some guys pop in. Um, I tend to be particularly um, cautious with some of the players coming in from the Dominican Summer League, even if they are higher ranked guys. I I will rank some of the better known players, but also kind of take the same approach with relievers. I I really don't rank them unless they're a high level prospect um, until they hit double A, then they're a legit relief prospect. Um, A lot of different ways to quantify all of this, but I don't think 61 is really a a number nor, nor is 50 or the top 30 i i can't stand that top 30 sometimes seems to be like a static number is it, where where is this guy in the top 30 standings it doesn't matter where he's at because to me a lot of these guys are tiers or ranges they're very similar grades in fact uh, um i think your and my list you know we didn't share and we didn't collaborate until after we'd already formed these lifts but our lists were still very similar um maybe it's how we see maybe we talk too much justin i'll i'll it's that we talk too much <laughs> yeah we talked too much last week i i meant to bring this up earlier in
0: the podcast when we started but uh, a lot of people last week told us that uh or two weeks ago i should say that we uh there was an audio issue it sounded like we were talking over each other the entire podcast hopefully that's fixed this week. I did reach out to the company and I think it was a uh, a software issue. So I don't think there was anything I could really do about it. Uh, I think it was just the way the, the audio synced together. So we apologize for that. And
1: thank you for listening. And, and Hey, despite that still and they over... listened anyways, thank What's you all that? for listening and listening anyways.
0: Yeah. You know what? We had 312 listens last week, so that's about normal for us. So, um, even though it was tough audio to listen to at times, they still listened and we appreciate that very much. Uh, hopefully this week will be a little bit better, but no, we, I mean, we do share ideas a lot on these players. So we do end up coming to similar conclusions a lot of the times, but I don't know. It, it just seems like the last two years, I'll say, there's so much. There's so much depth in this organization. That's 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 another reason why I didn't want to cut off to, like top fifty because you cut off to like the top fifty, you're missing out on some potential potential major leaguers. Now, are all those guys in the bottom half, you know, fifty to to sixty one, are they going to make it? No, they're probably Only not. Top they Twenty not, won't make it either. They're going to be guys who might have long. Yeah, it's it's really uh, it's tough to play major league baseball. I mean. I wrote about I wrote about this in the primer. So the the twenty eighty scouting scale, the lowest you can go is a twenty, and and really we're not going to write about twenties because those guys are, um, those would be like forty, you know, late undrafted free agents sometimes that will never have a shot. They're just organizational fillers. But a lot of that's been eliminated now with the, um, you know, the one of the or one of the uh, levels of minor league baseball being cut. So now you have less guys that are just there to hope to help you maintain enough players to play. Um, but the thirties, even the thirties and the thirty fives, um, those guys were probably the best player at their high school, maybe at their college level. Um, they're, they're still some of the best in the world at the sport. And, you know, they're not going to make the major leagues. That's how hard this is. So even if we rank someone at 35 or a 40 out of 80, um, <laughs> They were still like Joe Naranjo's our 61st number sixty one prospect this year, and he's ranked to thirty he's rated to thirty five. Joe Naranjo was a heck of a high school player, and he's that makes him and because he got drafted in the third round, he is still one of the best, you know, thousand five thousand players in the world at baseball. That's still pretty darn good. And he's now. very young. So you remember that when you look at these. He he's very young. Yeah, that's that's the one thing though, is you know, we're not we're not ranking guys or, or writing about guys that we don't think can have a shot or aren't any good. The guys in the sixty one, why that's why it went so far because we think that these players are good baseball players and have some shot to make the major leagues. It's a maybe a small shot, especially for someone like Joe Narano, but you know, the organization's got like five hundred players or four hundred players, and he we think he's one of the best sixty one. That's still pretty good.
1: Yeah, and you know as i hit on there's so many players that are very similar in grades um, i as i alluded to there's more tiers to me than anything that there's 10, 15, 20 guys with 40 grade, you know, talent. Those are still organizational players. They're guys that have the opportunity to play at the major league level. Uh, could be a long a long reliever. They may uh, end up exceeding our expectations and what if they actually became a setup man or something like that? Or somebody that we think is going to be a platoon bat ends up being uh, an everyday outfielder. You know, it, it happens. Some guys are undervalued for various reasons. You know, one player that we've talked about recently, Stephen Kwan. Um, I was watching a video of a different player, and Stephen Kwan stood out to me in his at-bats watching him. And, and I see why he's gotten a lot of love lately. Yeah, Stephen Kwans if I want to talk
0: about I will say <clears throat> uh, we'll give it away here if you're listening before the list comes out Stephen Kwan is our number 10 prospect this year and uh, he has a grade of 50 overall and he appeared today on Keith Laws just missed top 100 and that's that's from a guy in, who in 2019 by the way um, finished with a slash line of 280 353 382. Uh, with three homers not exactly uh you know yeah two eighty, three fifty three, that's a great line and didn't strike out a lot but you know that's for a 21 year old in a ball that's like uh you know that's a fourth outfielder that's not much that's that's a guy who probably makes the major leagues but doesn't really play much and might be out of baseball in three or four years steven kwan now might be i mean he's very close to being a top 100 prospect and that can mean a lot of different things. That's that's arbitrary as well. We could talk about that. But uh, man, has he shot up the rankings and I think the train has taken off, man. I think it's too late. If you're not already on, on the Stephen Kwan <laughs> train, you missed it. It's too late to, too late to grab the caboose. I, I think
1: even the people that liked him initially said that hey, he's probably a fourth, fifth outfielder. Um, but it's been the development of strength and I guess some swing changes. The thing that impressed me, one, when I saw him, he was standing pretty well straight up, but he's not very tall. I think he's 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, I, don't, I don't remember, and I didn't look it up. Um, and he has a little bit of lift and loft in that swing, so he's going to be able to drive that ball some. And, and, you know, this is where a lot of players were hurt, but in 2020, a lot of guys didn't have that developmental time on the field, but he took that time to train uh, with Tyler Freeman and Jonathan Engelman down in Texas. And I think it's really shown uh, the amount of power that he's added um, making the most of his frame, if you will, and having a very mature approach at the plate already. I mean, it's, it's really helped him skyrocket and maximize his potential. You know, I, I don't think his value is any higher as a prospect right now than it is right at this moment. No, it's not, and I think it's it's only going to get better
0: because, I mean, he he was a Triple A for a little bit, but he wasn't there long. But I don't know if he has very much left to prove in the trip in Triple A. We just need to see if he can do this for a full season, and we need to see if he can do it at the major league level. I mean, his numbers last year were were bonkers. He went, for, like I said, he went from hitting a three eight two slugging percentage as a twenty one year old in high A, which is kind of old for high A, not too old, but it's it's on the higher end. And, you know, last year he's 23 in AAA, and he's got a slugging percentage of 505. And he's walking more than he strikes out. He's hitting 300, and he hits 12 home runs in a year, and he hit, hit three in 2019 total um, coming into the season. He only had three career home runs. So we just need to see if he's going to be able to do it for a full season. That is the one issue with Juan is that he had the hamstring issue last year. And if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, you would know better than I would. Did he also have a hamstring? There was something when he first
1: came into the pros. I don't remember what it was, Um, but it seems like he was dealing with something like that. I am thinking it was a lower leg injury when he first signed.
0: Yeah, so this is this is something to to be aware of. You know, he's um, he's had leg leg issues in the past, so that continues to be a problem. That's definitely going to be something that holds him back. But if he's healthy. I don't see any reason why he doesn't deserve a shot at a major league job. I know he's only got 120 plate appearances in the minors, and he's obviously not going to start the season in Cleveland, but, you know, another 120 plate appearances in AAA, if he does the same thing, it's going to be awfully hard not to have him on your major league team. And It's just amazing how far he's come since being drafted
1: and in the last year, especially the year ago in 2020. A year ago, he was a solid prospect in the 30 to 40 range probably. And he, for me, moved into the 20s last year. And then this year I had him, I think, outside, maybe between 10 and 15. And, you know, seeing more and hearing more information about him, he's been ticking up those those rankings. You know, and now he's up to, you said 10, I believe. Um, an exciting yeah. player. I think it's good to for Cleveland to have an outfielder right there on the verge. Um, look down to Akron, and then you have George Valera, too, you know, one of the top five prospects in the organization, I think, undoubtedly, um, no matter who you are. Um, good times, and good to see these young players developing for this team.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate that Stephen Kwan, as as things stand right now, Stephen Kwan, George Valera, Brian Rocchio, uh, Cody Morris, Jose Tana, John Kenzie Noel... Uh, Brian Lavista. If I didn't say him, um, all all of those guys are not going to be participating in spring training. You know, if, if minor league minor leaguers who are not in the forty man roster are not affected by the lockout, they can still report to spring training where the team tells them to. But the rest of the guys that are on the forty cannot. So Valera's on the forty, Rocchio, Freeman, Arias. Jones, uh, Stephen Kwan, Cody Morris, Jose Tana, Noel, Palacios, Lava Stita, all those guys are on the 40-man roster. And Carlos Vargas especially too. Um, so those guys can't be at spring training until a deal is reached. That's, that's unfortunate because those are some of the best prospects the organization has. We talked about, you know, talking about Kwan and some other guys. That's that's really, really – I mean, Noel and, and Tana – blew up last year. You know, those two guys have risen up lists uh, even Ke- except for Keith law was on Jose Tana two years ago, which is pretty incredible by the way. Um, and then Joe, of course was on Yankenzie Kenzie Noel last year before anybody of us thought about it. And uh, Cody Morris blew up last year too, coming back from injury. It's really, it really stinks that we're not going to see those guys until a, a deal is reached. I mean, you still will have a chance to watch Daniel Spino and um, you know, Peyton Battenfield and PD Halpin. Uh, the favorite favorite of number one prospect in your hearts at GBI. Um, That those guys are still fun to watch, but you know, it stinks that the other guys are left off of this until a deal is reached. I think that's a real big problem for this organization because like you said, it's it's an exciting time for the organization and these players because the system is as exciting as it's been in some time, but guess what? It's not too exciting because you don't get to see them play until a deal is reached. That that's what makes this whole thing even think even more not to go back to it. But this was supposed to be a good offseason for them because they had prospect depth to trade from to improve the major league team, but they also had really good prospects that are very close to being ready. So instead of all that being exciting, it's been nothing because it's you can't even see these guys play. Like what what if we get to to April and there's no deal? You know you're not going to see. Ryan Rocchio started shortstop for Columbus. You're not going to see George Valera starting in the outfield if at double we a April, at If we get that's to a, April, if we get to April, there's
1: no deal. I'm going to start um throwing again, Justin, because I think they'll be looking for people then.
0: Yeah, it's 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 going to be tough. I think uh put Rob Manfred's uh, faces somewhere because that's bad. I um, need to borrow my surfboard. <laughs> I uh yeah not not the milk carton, but the the poster want the wanted wanted sign. Uh, I said we wouldn't go back too far down that road again, but what I thought was the hardest thing to do was was organize the top thirty and i think i think thirty one through whatever you can kind of go a number of ways depending on preference and how confident you feel about a player's floor or their ceiling or their skill set, but the top thirty to me. Could have won a million different ways in the top 10, especially like, you know, Bo Naylor had a bad year last year, but there are still people who believe in the skill set. He was 21 at double a and, um, is an incredibly hard worker. You don't want to drop him too far. Nolan Jones fell a lot, a lot of places and, you know, there's still a good chance. He becomes a productive major leaguer because I of, the power if and of patience. prospect
1: fatigue with him. And too. I mean, it seems like he's been around forever. Um, I know he didn't perform right out of the gate, but uh, I I think you kind of have to wash the first month or two for a lot of these players because they didn't have competitive baseball in 2020. Um, That's a factor too. And I wonder how much it impacts some of these other players. Um, Have some of these guys peaks, you know, they were taking advantage of being in premier physical condition while other players were, you know, working their ways, their way back to, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I've talked about that and maybe some players have reached their peak value. This is who they are and look at where they are, you know, as far as level goes for perform, performance um, with the con- condensation of the minor leagues last year um, and a lot of players still in the organizations. I, I just wonder if maybe some players benefited from that too. You play it against a lower quality of talent, so to speak, uh, because players weren't on par where they would normally be for that for that particular level. Um, so I, I mean, that's always the thought in the back back of my mind is how did 2020 oh, affect yeah. all of these players? Some of them differently. Some of them found ways creatively to get time on the diamond or to get at bats or to throw or or whatever it is. But there was still lost development for all of them. Um, so we may see some guys who kind of yo-yo around around the rankings, you know somebody who was once highly respected drop and then have a great comeback season. and really it was nothing more than the after effects of 2020 on them as players and their development.
0: Yeah, I think that's that. I think last year was hard to judge. You know, age compared to level is such an important thing we look at in prospect rankings. As like I was saying before, Stephen Kwan being in High A in 2019, being 21 and having a nice season but not like a great season <clears throat> is not as good as him being 20 years old and having a, a decent season. Like Jose Ramirez is a great example of this. He was 20 years old in Double A in Akron. In 2013, I think his, his slash line was like, I don't know, 260, 350, 382 It wasn't, you know, it wasn't really anything special. But he was a 20 year old who was in low A the previous year, and he was, you know, really hanging tough against pitchers way older than him, and he ended up in the major leagues later that year. That's the kind of thing you look at is is you know, is a 24 year old having a good season against a bunch of 20 twenty one year olds that great? Probably not. This is this is a thing all teams look at, but Cleveland, especially, especially when it comes to the draft. Um, that's why to me it's so impressive for you know, Brian Rocchio, Brian Rocchio and George Valera. Um Rocchio in twenty twenty was not with the alternate site because he was he's from Venezuela and he couldn't get out of the country with COVID and everything. So he couldn't even go to he couldn't even go to the Dominican or Arizona to train. He was stuck in his home country, without any coach from the organization there with him. He had to communicate, you know, through video calls and um, phone calls his, his training. And look what he did last year. He was a 21 year old and made the Double <clears> A. <throat> added some power to his game. Looked didn't really look any different physically, but um, you know now he's a top 100 prospect. I think he ended up what 26 overall in Keith Law's rankings and that's the highest he's been anywhere. I think it's the highest he's gone anywhere. And He's number three for us uh, and he's a 55 overall. And that, I mean, that says a lot George Valera, same thing. He, I know he trained with the, the team and in in, at the alternate site in 2020, but you know, he wasn't uh he's still 21 years old, made the double a or, and Jose Tana, Jose Tana especially is another one who again, Keith Law was on early and, I think we had a hard time ranking because he had a good year last year, but he's um, a very aggressive hitter. But again, you're talking about a guy who who has played two seasons, two teenage years at complex league levels, the Dominican and Arizona, and then he didn't get to play in 2020. And then he goes to high A in in 2021 as a 20-year-old, skipping low A altogether and putting up a phenomenal season there for his age and for his skill set. You know, those are the things you kind of look at, and that's why Jose Tain on our board is uh, 13th overall. And even even 13 overall, you know, I can make an argument for him to be 11 behind Stephen Kwan, but there's Cody Morris, there's Peyton Battenfield, uh, and Kenzie Noel, Richie Palacios. There's just so many guys right there. That top 10, that top 15 could go, you know, Thirty different ways, to be honest, it really could. That, and That's what makes this so fun, but it also makes it um, very difficult. But I guess that's that's if it's difficult, maybe I that think means so. It's, it it's it's shows
1: the quality of quant- or quantity of quality talent within the organization, and that's something that you know I've been preaching for a while. Something that they do in their approach on the international market, something that they've done in the draft is go for quality and quantity at the same time balancing those and not trying to push heavily and relying, essentially putting all your eggs in one basket and hoping this one player pans out as the, the answer or the franchise face or the, you know the top prospect to be. Instead, there's probably six or seven guys you could say belong in the top five and then another, I don't know, six, eight, or nine maybe even. You could argue go from 6 to 15. I mean, it's it's a really good group of talent. And I think, if anything, what I saw in my rankings was, one, how young the organization really is. There's a lot of youth up and down the organization. A lot of players playing young four-level last year, which was impressive because a lot of them really performed really well, too. Some guys were performing about normal age and did really well. Um, but when you look at the general overall youth of the top guys in the organization, Valera, Espino, Rocchio, all of the players, 21 and younger, I believe you get down to like Tyler Freeman, I think is yeah. 22. Uh, Nolan Jones is 23. That's
0: 22. still very
1: young for the levels that they're at. Um when you consider that and the success that they've had to this point, that's a really good indicator of future success. Something that Cleveland likes is that youth, youth for level. And you know, look at these guys performing at these levels. It should indicate that you know there's future success to be had. Especially seeing impressive performances by Jose Tena and Young Kensi Noel, really forcing the issue and pushing themselves into the conversation. <laughs> Um, good for Keith Law, for having Jose Tena out there. Tells me he was well connected, and uh, I don't know who the scout is, but whoever the scout is who t- told him about Jose Tena, he should thank him and believe anything he tells him from here on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even. I have, I'd have to go back and look to see who even signed
0: Jose Tena. Uh, that's one thing we're going to add at some point. Not. Not that information specifically, but um, we're going to add a international signing tab to the website at some point to track the international signing classes over the last several years for Cleveland. Because I know every time you write something about it, you have to go track the information down. And it's a pain. So I figure if we just organize it in one page on our website, much easier for everybody. <laughs> That's what we're going to do at some point. Uh, Arthur is leading that charge, thankfully. But, yeah, I, I know some people don't. Always enjoy Keith Law as a as a personality on, on Twitter, but he's a darn good writer. I I think Keith Law's great. Honestly, I mean, I know he can come off as a little. Some people say he's arrogant. I don't. I never had a bad interaction with him. I've had a couple of, with a couple of a lot interactions of nice things with about him. him
1: that left me with a very negative um feeling toward him. But I hmm. I agree with you that um he is an excellent writer and he is well connected. I, I think that's the thing like with Jose Tena, I think, you know, he, he, I don't think saw Jose Tena in person, but he was probably relying upon some connections and probably a scout or two that, Hey, you need to watch out for this kid. He's going to be great. You know? And he, he believed him. Um, that's another thing is having those connections and knowing who to listen to. And he did that. So.
0: Yeah. And that's why I think, like you said, it's worth trusting and, um, I was surprised about that a couple of two years ago. I was surprised that he had Brian Rocchio, 26, and he, even as good as Rocchio was this past year. That's the thing you get from him, though. And, and I think, not necessarily echo chamber, groupthink is a is a really bad thing for anything, but also for prospect rankings, because you may know, you look at Baseball America or Baseball Prospectus' top 100 or their top 30 or Pipeline's top 30 for the Cleveland organization or fan graphs, whenever that comes out. I think there's a lot of, I don't want to say there's a lot of group think, but I think you, you look at some of these lists and they're very similar. I will say the one thing for Keith law is he is very independent in how he does this. You know, like you said, he try to trust who his sources are as far as um, scouts and, and talent evaluators that he, for players he hasn't seen himself. Um, he's not afraid to put out a different opinion and, and stick to what he thinks. I mean, he's admitted when he's wrong. I remember him tweeting about, um, you know, when Shane Bieber made his debut, he was saying, "I don't want to throw cold water on this," but he said Shane Bieber is probably just a up and down, you know, fifth star- fifth starter type. And you know, obviously, two years ago he admitted he was wrong because he made the All Star team in twenty nineteen. He he made jokes about, you know, is it Pope too late to himself. say sorry? You know, is it too late to be able to? Yeah, he wasn't afraid to poke fun at himself. He said, "Is it?" Is it too late to be a believer? Um, and you know, he even said same about Jose Ramirez years ago. He said, "You know, I had Jose Ramirez as a a guy who like just missed the top 100, but he said he was too small and too uh, didn't didn't think he would hit enough to be a regular, an impact regular. So that's why he left out the top 100. And I think he's changed his his thinking because of that. Because and Stephen Kwan a great example because look. I I think you look at Stephen Kwan, he's like, what, 5'9"? He's not a big dude. Um, Nobody would have guessed he was going to hit enough to be a regular, and he might be now. And I think that's changed all of our thinking because um, the way we look at Jose Tana, the way we look at – I don't know. I can't really find another example of it to tell you the truth, but I think the Jose Ramirez thing has has changed how a lot of people look at players because of Jose Altuve too. (laughs) But – you know, Keith Law has not been afraid to admit that. And I think that makes his list interesting and, and trustworthy. And also at the end of the day, think about this, especially in, from our perspective, um, th- those those sites like Baseball America, Baseball Prospectus, and, and The Athletic, and Fan Graphs and Prospects Live, all you know, all have a lot of connected people, and they all watch a lot of players and um, put a lot of time into this. But at the end of the day, it's a source of entertainment, right? It's it's yeah, you're trying to put the best information you can, but it's entertainment. It's 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 one person taking all the information they can get and letting the information shape their opinion, and it it's just and it's it's for the entertainment of the reader. So at the end of the day, none of these lists are the end all be all. There's no that's why you can't take these top 100 lists as as uh you know definite rankings like i saw someone say the other day well you know cleveland doesn't have any top 50 players in in baseball america's top 100 so talent must not be that good well keith law's got two players in the organization his top 30 so it, it varies from person to person but at the end of the day everybody's just trying to take the same information they're trying to use it as best they can to inform you and to entertain you. And that's what we're doing too with our list. You know, you and I put a lot of hours into watching video and and seeing players um, and, and just reading different things. And we're just trying to put out, we're trying to combine all that information the best we can into our scouting reports to share our opinion with people and to entertain them. That's what it is at the end of the day. For ourselves
1: and for others, really. And I think you're dead on that. It is entertainment. And I think, um, you know, sometimes you mentioned the word groupthink. I I think groupthink is is a very dangerous thing Um, when your only friends are people around you who are voicing the same things as you. It's time to get some new friends. You need for personal growth and life experience (laughs) to have people around you who are not saying the exact same thing as you, who view the world differently than you. Um, It might give you compassion and understanding that you never really had before, not just as a person, but uh, professionally, you know, it it can give you some insight into life or even things that are going on, kind of step back and maybe humble yourself and hear what they have to say. And it may step on your feet. It may make you uncomfortable, but you may learn that, hey, you know what? They had a little bit different of a view on this that I didn't. And I'm grateful to have learned it from them. I've had that professionally in my life where I've had people come in and was fortunate to work with an older gentleman who took me aside and wasn't afraid to step on my toes. I think those are good things to have when you have somebody who can say, Hey, you know, I've got a different view on this than you and I see what you're thinking, but this is why I think this. And it can really be beneficial if we talk this through for you and maybe it'll give you more insight than what you have right now. Saying all of that, um, you know, I don't always use the scouting scale the same way. You know, I like to look at percentages and the number of walks and the number of extra base hits total. Mm -hmm. And what's the percentage of that? How is the power actually playing for the player? Um, a guy might rack up a ton of home runs, but is that all he is a, a home run hitter? Are those, solo home runs are they two run shots does his power play in doubles is this guy a single sitter or is he just a double sitter and he has has more value in that he's not just a singles hitter uh maybe all of his extra base hits are doubles though you know there's additional value there um that may not show for a guy who might just be or might just have 40 power when it comes to home runs but ends up with 40 doubles you know um, that's not a, it's not a, um, necessarily a below average power outcome, or it may not play below average. Um, but you and I, we, we look at things a little bit differently and we bounce things off. And even Joe, who has different insights and looks at things differently than we do, I think is, it's interesting to have different takes and different perspectives. And and that's why I mentioned earlier, you and I, our lists were very similar, not a hundred percent the same. Um, several guys we had similar, but we'd also bounced a lot of thoughts off of each other and discussed them through the season and through the off season. Um, but you view things differently than I do. I think you were more elaborate with your words. Um, and I'd be like, Hey, he's got a really nice curveball, and he's going to bury that in the dirt and strike people out. (laughs) (laughs) And, And
0: you'll, me think why say many words, when if you <laughs> do trick.
1: <laughs> that's some yeah. There's, yes, there's beauty in simplifying things and people understanding it.
0: No, I. I agree. I think that's it's really good. And that's why, that's why I enjoy doing this with you guys at the site, and that's why, you know, we keep doing it. It's our our marquee piece of the year. Although I don't know, I, I keep saying this is our this is our uh, our Super Bowl is the top prospect rankings, but. The last year, I don't know, it might be it might be draft stuff. <laughs> if you look at the the site numbers, our Super Bowl might, might be the draft at Guardians Baseball on the site are now. I'm just going back the last two years, maybe and the pandemic might have affected some of this, but uh the last two years I will say we've gotten a lot of run out of your draft coverage. And so I think that our Super Bowl might if 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 we keep saying that the um the top prospect reports are our Super Bowl, then the draft might be our our championship game, or might be our our conference championship game because it's uh it's gotten a lot of run. Our site has gone a
1: lot of different I, ways over the yeah. last year, but you know a lot of that is because of your yeah, writing and, I and think, people's um, interest. COVID changed that too. It seemed like the Major League Baseball draft drew more attention than ever before after COVID, and I think you had a lingering effect of that from last year, where people were still interested. It was new to them um and Major League Baseball is covering it not always very well, but they still cover it nonetheless um, but that's where the players come from is through the draft or through the international period. It's a niche, uh, but it's about talent evaluation. Oh uh, some people who know me know that I like to follow all of the major sports drafts, none of them the way that I do baseball. I used to mm-hmm. the NFL and then I mean even when I was very young I was interested in the draft for some reason I have no clue I think it, maybe it's the hope or the anticipation or the expectation that my team is going to get a great player and it's all going to come out rainbows and lollipops and it you know it just doesn't happen that way but you know it the draft is a really a niche a lot of a lot of fans a lot of draft fans follow draft writers and look for draft content because there's not a lot of draft content out there. But I think it's a, it's a cool thing to do. And it gives us insight into the future of the organization because this is the lifeblood of the organization. Look at the player rankings. And I think something like 15% were international signings. That means the other players that are in the organization, the other 85% came through the draft. You know, having that insight on these players, even if it's from two or three years ago, you still have a general feel of where this guy was, this is where he is now, and this is where his ceiling could be. Um, You know, it's just been beneficial for me, even going into prospect riding with IBI, now GBI, um, having that insight and familiarity with just a great number of guys because of my hobby, if you will, of following the draft.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot of great people out there to follow it and who really, who really enjoy it. I think you can see the people who do cover the draft, you can tell really like baseball because it, like you said, it's a niche, a niche thing. And uh, that's where you see a lot of your diehards is, is through prospect, uh, prospect fans. I think Zach Meisel said it good the other day on, on his podcast, uh, you know the prospect rankings are kind of the draft for baseball. We have the draft, but the obviously major league baseball draft is not as as big as the other two sports draft. I think the NFL dwarfs the NBA. I mean, the NBA draft is still a big deal on its own, but the NFL draft dwarfs it by a lot. That just tells you how big the NFL is. But um, I think prospect lists are to what what uh, the draft is for 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 baseball. In some ways, like the NFL, I know I know we have the baseball draft, but um, I think prospect lists kind of have uh, a bigger chunk of people's attention than the draft does because those players have already been drafted, and you hear them their names bandied about in trades, and and a lot of people do the ranking. So um, I think you was right in that sense. But that's you know those two places are where we get most of our readers, and we appreciate those people. And, um, and if I haven't mentioned it. Now's a good time to sign up. If you're not an insider uh, at Guardians Baseball Insider, head to the site and uh, check out the accounts page. Subscribe. It is $4.99 a month. No commitment. So you pay $4.99 and you don't have to be a member again next month. If you just want to read the reports, you can just sign up for one month, read them all, and then, you know, you don't have to commit long-term. This is an independent site and, uh, look, neither... Either Willie or myself is paying the bills working here. We're we're doing this because we like doing it, and uh, occasionally it lets us, uh, you know, take our significant others out to get ice cream or dinner or with the money that brings in, <laughs> depending on how good the month is. Yeah, it's yeah maybe, um, you know that that's what this does. You're not you're not uh, your money if you if you subscribe to, to Guardians Baseball Insider to, to for anything, um. You know, your money's not going to some CEO or some manager. You know, the money's going to Willie, to myself, to Joe, to Arthur, um, to Pat, you know, people who are putting in the work and yeah, we're we're really just spending the money on, on ice cream and, and a tank Half of gas, tank, to no be nice, honest. But, but yeah. um Yeah. <laughs> depending, I don't know, enough for me. For for how much how little I drive working from home, it's a lot more, which is which is nice, but um, you know, that's what you're getting. You know, we're not we're not making, you know, tons of money off this, but uh you know, we enjoy doing it and, and at least the little pocket money does um kinda you know, make it worth our while for the amount of hours we put in because um, you know, we do put a lot of time into this. I mean we've we've been we've been working on this I think since the end of twenty twenty one and
1: um, we're still writing, we'll yeah, still you know, be writing. But um, yeah, now's now's a great as, time as to you sign and I talk. And an it's seven thirteen, Eastern Standard Time, Tuesday, February the first, and yes. and We're I've both worked, I've a, full worked a full day, full day, and <laughs> come home and prepared to talk to you for a little while, an, an hour, or a little bit longer, because you and I can get long-winded sometimes. Um, but uh, you know, I'm sitting here and talking to you about baseball, and no. I'm smiling. That's why I do this. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean we, we talk about baseball all day long
1: while we're supposed to be doing our jobs. Hey, super, bosses, one of my supervisors but, um, or one of the management team <laughs> may be listening to <laughs> edit that part out.
0: <laughs> well, I, I never hear from Willie during the day. Willie never I never see Willie never talks to us during the day. I, I rarely get a text message from him during the day. But you know, when he's off the clock I get lots of texts. So I never said that. We'll go back and edit that. <laughs> Mine does not listen. Um no, but I mean, we, we enjoy doing this, and uh, we hope everybody else who listens and who reads enjoys it. So the first couple will be free. Um, anybody who's not a subscriber can read the report on um, Joe Naranjo and Nick Enright. Those two are going to be free. I think we might we might unlock a few other ones, depending on uh, how things are going and, and the interest level in these players. Uh, we'll see how that goes if we have a lot of information on somebody that we think is worth passing on. Uh, we'll unlock it as well. But the, the best way to, to read all these, all 61, is to be an insider. And uh, you can do that at any time. And you can cancel at any time. Uh, it's not that hard, thankfully. But uh, please go check it out. Willie, do you want to get some – and we're an hour in. Do you sure. want to get our last-minute questions in? We said we we're going to do the Jersey thing. And of course, it's been an hour. We didn't yeah, do the Jersey thing. Time Maybe for another, another podcast. Yeah. Uh, We definitely want to get to our questions because we have always have good questions and we always have people who enjoy asking questions. Um, You know what what I really enjoy about our our listenership is that we get a lot of um, different areas. We have like. um, Josh, who's from Seattle, who asks questions, and then this week we have Daniel Port from Denver, um, and then you have uh, Zach, who I think is still in Colombia. You know, we are truly international, or at, at, I, at uh, GBI. So that's that's a lot of fun. Let's start with uh, Let's start with Zach. When when will Gabriel Iris make his debut? Who are the starting middle infielders? Opening day, twenty twenty three. Willie, I'll let you. Who are the starting? Take that one first. Did you say infielders in twenty twenty three? Middle infielders. Yeah, in twenty twenty three. Who are the starting shortstop and second baseman pair next year?
1: Oh, geez, that's a tough question.
0: <laughs> I think we've answered this before, and it, I think yeah. we can have a different answer every time because it's still hard. I would, I'm going to say it's going to be Freeman and Rocchio. Uh,
1: I mean, I I think Kimenez is still going to be around. Um, so it, it's it's hard to say. I mean, you can ar- even argue. Gabriel Arias is going to be in there somewhere, so. When is he going to make his debut? I'm going to say he'll make his debut
0: this year. That that, that implies they'll reach a a CBA. If there's a CBA this this year year
1: and I'm not playing in in the pros this year, Arias makes his debut after they trade Ahmed Rosario. (laughs) I've got a glove. I can't move, but
0: I got a glove. If they if they want to call, I got to play first base. I can't run. I'm one of those guys. That's the softball first baseman. Uh, Daniel from Colorado said, "When do you think the organization will start filtering out all those shortstop options into positions uh, more last minute as opportunities arise, or once they get to AAA?" Um, that's a that's a really tough question. I would say. Well, I think Freeman's already I, I think Freeman will move over to second at some point. Arius is gonna have to play some third. Nolan Jones is gonna have to play some outfield, so that's gonna open up third. They're gonna eventually trade um, a couple of them. You know, Tana has mostly That's the thing. I, I don't think it's gonna be pushing guys to other positions so much as it's gonna be trading some of them. I mean I think you'll see a couple guys a lot of these guys already have multiple have multiple positions under their belt. You know, Rokio and Freeman and Arius and um Tana especially. Tana played a lot of second base at Lake County before Rokio got promoted. And then he moved over to shortstop once Rokio went to, to, triple, to double A. So he's already got that experience. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be more trades. You're right. It'll be more trades than it will be moving players. That's going to be tough. Is that all the questions we had this week? I think so. Oh, uh, well. Bill, Bill Willis wanted to know if there's any way that fans can cancel and I'll be programming to let owners know that they'll be losing a percentage of these fans, um, to help maybe with the lockout, but I don't think all the money is in cable deal. So unless you get lots of people to start, start canceling cable, that the cable companies can't afford to pay major league baseball for the broadcast right? So That's the only way that's going to work. It's unfortunate. I think, uh, I think Sinclair is going to go down in flames in a year. With their, it's I don't think it's going to be good. Their their app, I'm sorry, their their um, the Valley Sports app is absolutely awful. And for whether it's for the internet or it's for a browser or as an app for your you know Fire Stick, it's terrible. I never have good luck with it. Um, if that's how the direct consumer app is going to play out, I think they're going to go down in flames because a lot of people have said that um that app is they're banking their entire um or their entire company on that app they've they've
1: it's really good, gambled a good a good for app, that makes. app to be successful <laughs> and in fact it's a year behind where they had hoped it would be um hoping to have it out last year i think at this point it's still a hope to have it out this year and mlb is not going to be friendly as far as allowing them uh, to broadcast games. You know, I think Rob Manfred is on record. There was a piece in the, Oh, the paper from Akron, the, the beacon journal. Um, I think back in October or November and, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it quoted Rob Manfred and it doesn't sound like MLB is going to be exactly friendly. Um, with St. Clair mm-hmm. with, with Sinclair, And let's just say there's, if, player negotiations with the league and Rob Manfred are any indication of what the negotiations will be like with Sinclair. I don't expect we'll be watching a lot of guardians baseball on Valley sports on a standalone app.
0: Nope. I definitely agree with that. I saw, I think, um, I know Apple and Yahoo or Apple, I should say, Apple and Amazon have talked about broadcast rights and so has. um, Oh, I saw last night. Who was it? I think I texted you this last night. It was the other DraftKings is talking about buying broadcast rights for live sports. And I'm like, oh, gosh, that's what we need is another company that's focused on gambling to buy broadcast rights to a baseball or to a sport. But at this point, nobody can do any worse. It's it's really bad, but you know baseball's own problem is uh, it's all blackout restrictions and not having its yeah. I mean, YouTube TV doesn't have Bali. um I think Hulu doesn't have it. All, all your streaming services. I think Direct streaming service is the only one that has Bally Sports App.
1: I'm uh, located perfectly show. within like a two-hour drive of Cincinnati, Cleveland. In Pittsburgh and all three teams are blacked out unless I have, um, ballet sports on my either, um, streaming service or cable service. Otherwise I'm blacked out, which I just think is absolutely ridiculous.
0: Yeah, that's, that's one of baseball's main issues. And then the, and the bad part about that is, as we're getting back to where we started, the podcast is bashing the league, but, um, a lot of these teams are making money off of broadcast rights. That's not so much ticket revenue. Ticket revenue is a big part of it, but the big money right now is in TV rights. And if this all, if this TV rights bubble pops, like uh, people think it might, they're not going to have a backup plan. And, and I hate to tell you, but MLB's uh, streaming service itself. MLB TV its blackout restrictions is going to come back to bite it because um, that's not growing the game. You know, if you, if you're someone where you live and you can't watch it there, then um that's a problem if you're and if your cable cable provider or the whatever you use doesn't carry it what are you supposed to do well i guess i'm not a fan i guess i'm not you know your advertisers their advertisers are not reaching you and they're not drawing you in so luckily there's one
1: streaming service here in my area that carries it and that's the only site that i can watch games live through otherwise it's watch the game an hour later or watch the road games, but not watch any home games. So it's pick up that particular service during the season and dump them later when I don't want them anymore.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. I, I do the same thing with, with other streaming services that aren't baseball related, but you know, that's, that's the problem with baseball is it's not drawing eyeballs because it's making it hard to, to get, people engage and watch the sport if if, if money right if, if the money if the big money is in tv rights and they're making tv tv making it harder to get it on tv in front of people then that's a big problem It's not going to be sustainable so hopefully that isn't you know hopefully something works out there but just a long list of problems um let's not end on a bad note let's let's uh i don't know i don't really know what i want to end with but um, I don't know. Go go read the top or go look at the top uh, 61 list tomorrow when it comes out. Read the first report on Joe Naranjo. Um, read them as they all come out. And I don't know. I think maybe next week or the week after. I don't know about next week. I'm going to be in Florida this weekend, so I'm going to be pretty, uh, pretty busy when I give it back next week. But maybe the week after we can do kind of a, a live version of the podcast again and we can kind of take some questions about the top uh, prospect rankings and get into more fun stuff like, you know, the draft. And the, we want to talk about – the one thing we wanted, topic we did want to talk about today was the, um, you know, whose jersey would you buy in for the Guardians or, you know, whatever. You're talking about looking at prospects that way. Like, should you feel confident buying a George Flair jersey or a, a Stephen Kwan jersey or a Gavin Williams jersey? Like, would you buy – that prospect's jersey because you think they're going to be good enough to, to do it or, um, you know, fun enough to do it. We wanted to have that discussion, but maybe we'll do that another time and maybe we can do that
1: live. Sounds good in to a me. Week or two, and hopefully we have some sort of deal. Um, in the meantime, let's think about these player rankings as they're unveiled and enjoy the countdown. You know, there's a lot of work gone in, into this, but at the end of the day, I find it rewarding seeing all of these players, the work that they've put in, and seeing their development. And you know what? There's a lot of hope for the future of this organization. Um, at the end of the day,
0: at some yeah, point yeah, yeah, be it's, it's the a matter field. of time. It
1: really <laughs> comes down to that. And we may be frustrated right now, but once play resumes, I think a lot of that frustration will be allevi- alleviated. Um, and I think it's the baseball diehards are the ones who are frustrated with all of this right now which would be us and probably our listeners this far into this podcast. Um, Thanks for listening uh, as always. And once again,
0: yes, thank you for listening. If you got this far and yeah, be sure to follow us and subscribe and uh, Oh, if you're listening this far, please do us a favor um, to get more ears on the podcast. If you are listening on a streaming app that, Allows you to leave a review. um You know, we'd love it if you got a five-star review. But if you don't think we're worth five stars, you know, leave leave less than that and and tell us why not at least so we know how to improve. We can't get better at doing this for you if uh if we don't know what you want to hear or if we're we're not doing a good job. But you know, either if you like it, leave us a five-star review, and if not, leave us uh less than that and leave a comment to tell us how we can improve. But please leave us a review. It would help us out a lot. And uh, yeah, we we like doing this, but we also want to make people happy when we do this. And we want to know we're making you happy. So that's why you leave the five star or you leave less and let us know how we can do better. But uh, thanks for listening and uh, we'll catch you next week.